welcome to the podcast series, Small Business Survival Conversations. Through our weekly conversations, we hope to provide you with strategies and insights, knowledge and expertise to enlighten you as you work to build and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Anna Steinfest and Dr. Michael Troyer. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Our topic for today will be how to sell more without adding cost to your product or service. And today, my guest is Dr. Michael Troyer. Hello, Michael. Hello, once again. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And and I think this is a very relevant topic, especially for small business owners, when we know that we have fixed cost and we cannot decrease the price any further. And we have to make sure that we're competitive on the market especially right now when there is abundance of products and services we're competing on. Yes. Uh, the real challenge, I think, well, and maybe the question to, to be asked is uh, how would we prefer a customer to come to us for what we're offering? Do we want them to shop us for price, which is a really tough market to be in because there's always going to be somebody who's the lowest cost provider. Or do we, want, do we want them to seek us out because we offer value without raising our costs and others cannot do that? Absolutely. And right now, there is a term amongst the business owners, which is to increase the perceived value of your product or services. So today, we will give you some strategies how you can increase the perceived value of your product or services. You can start with um, some suggestions. Yeah, well, first of all, I want, I want you, the listener to think about uh, the fact that the customer really approaches this, the purchase of something from an emotional standpoint. We justify why we bought it later on, perhaps, in its f- functional use, how we're going to use it. But ultimately, that first decision is an emotional one. And I think we're looking for, for well-being. Mm-hmm. Will this product make me feel better, this service? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking for reassurance. Can I trust the, the person selling it to me? I think of all the ways in which we now can regularly go online and look at the reviews of a product before we're willing to buy it. And we have to make a judgment call about uh, are some of these reviews too good to be true? Maybe mm-hmm. they've been paid for. Are some of these uh, reviews perhaps not quite on target because it's an angry person kind of by themselves, who, mm-hmm. who just has, wants to gripe. And then there's that in-between where we have to make our judgment about whether this, whether we're reassured about this product or not. Absolutely. I just wanted to add to what you said is about, and, and describe more what is perceived value and the strategy about that. Because I know that some business owners out there will think about that this is more over-promise and under-deliver, which that's not the case because perceived value in in the terms we would like to discuss today is about helping customers feel good about the purchases they made and being confident that they made the right decision by having one of our products or service. One example to me of that, and it's been around a long time and we haven't thought about it as a perceived value, but we walk into the store and here's something, and we're looking at it. If it was priced for five dollars, we'd say, "Oh, that's it's just not worth. I don't want to spend five dollars on that." But at four ninety nine, or four ninety five, our brain says, "Only it's only four dollars. 
well, okay, I'll buy it for $4. I just won't buy it for 5 We're caught by that one all the time. You go to Amazon.com and things are $49.99. They're not 50 Psychologically, we see a perceived value. It's a little less than we expected. Absolutely. And sometimes that is uh, when we put a product on sale. Yes. Because we can put a certain product to be $120, but suddenly if we say that it's $85 on sale, not that the customer is not willing to pay $120 to purchase the product, I say. So the perception of the product being $120, it's not worth it for them, but they will buy it for $85. Mm-hmm. So that's, that particular strategy usually is like undercutting the perceived value when you put a product on sale. Mm-hmm. And it depends. You know, there could be both both positive reactions of that and negative reactions. Mm-hmm. Positive one is, wow, ooh, I've got an opportunity. This is this is a real sale. I'm going to go after it. And you, you think of how many times you see a sale card that says uh, eighty-five dollars. Original price was one hundred and fifteen. Oh, well, if I can get it for eighty-five dollars, I'm going to buy it today. The other side of that sometimes is uh, customers who say, well, if it's only worth eighty-five dollars to you. Why did you charge 150? So mm-hmm. you have to think about the psychological impact on the buyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, for example, if it really was at, at 115 earlier, it better. Have, I guess I should say it better have been once at 115, and maybe your customer knows that, or they're going to begin to think that you're playing games with them. Absolutely, and you know sometimes when you talk about pricing, there is another strategy out there that if you put your product way high, mm-hmm. you may have more people wanting to buy it. That's, again, psychological. Um, so it's the leverage of, of assumption that the higher price item will be higher quality than the lower price. So, again, for the listeners out there, you have to be very careful which strategies you will use. Mm-hmm. depends on the industry you're in and the product you're selling or services sure. you're selling. Think of as if a Lexus was sold for the price of, of a, a low-end Chevy, you, you'd lose your market. Everybody buys a Lexus in part because its value is way up there. Even if even if its parts maybe don't cost that much, mm-hmm. it represents quality. It represents elegance. Uh, I've made it. I'm driving a Lexus kind of mm-hmm. of attitude. I think of another example of that. Uh, you and I have both done workshops and. Uh, I recently was arguing with a, a, a couple of colleagues with whom I was going to offer a workshop, and they wanted to offer it for, for $25 for a two-hour presentation. And my argument was, N- nobody's going to come at $25. I, I, I'm a business person. I need to get to my office and get some work done. Eh, $25, that's not worth my spending two hours mm-hmm. for $25 worth of material. Same workshop, same material offered at two, $200 will boost the, the, the attendees. Offer it for $400, you might even boost it some more. Because now you're saying it's worth $400. This is something you want to come to for two hours. Mm-hmm. Offer it for $2,000, chances are not many people are going to come. So there's a, a range in there that is the perceived value. And you've got to tell the potential attendee what you think the perceived value is. And you can't be too low. It can't be too high. Absolutely. Uh, Another strategy we can discuss is, um, it is called uh, careful diction, where you're using your word choices to describe your product. For example, sometimes uh, when you talk about your product, instead of saying expensive, you uh, you can say 
exclusive. What about cheap and great value, especially for mothers who are going to purchase, for example, some clothes for their from for their kids. They rather they don't want to buy cheap, but they will buy clothes which are at great value. Mm-hmm. So again, using your words. It's extremely important, and that does not cost you anything, describing what is the benefit the customer will receive using your product or service. I often look at the uh, toothpaste aisle in a retail store, and I'd read a study some many years ago, really, where putting the word new in an oval with red behind the white lettering really increased the sales. They might not have changed anything other than putting that word new on and Oh, I've got to try that. It's a new flavor. It's a new, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it'll be better on the tartar or, or uh, whatever part of the is important to you in buying toothpaste. But that's another example of looking at the words you use. Uh, some, mm-hmm. some of them sometimes are manipulative, mm-hmm. but sometimes Absolutely. you hurt yourself by choosing the wrong words because they, they don't give enough benefit to the product and what it offers in value. What other ways we can increase the perceived value? I think one of the most important ways is looking at how much effort does it take for the buyer to use your product or your service. Effort is, mm-hmm. is, a, is a big issue for me. And often we put customers through a lot of work, especially for a complex product. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I choose between 14 different brands of television? Are all priced pretty close together? Which one is better than another? How do, how do, how do I do that study to figure it out? How do I not get lost in, in the store? Well, I can think of some examples where companies have really worked at that. Way back when, Dell Computer came on the market. We all were beginning to buy computers. We're all looking for speed. But we're taking whatever they offer us. And then Dell came along and changed the market by making it easier. They said, you want to buy a computer? Here's the list. Pick what size uh, of of, uh, RAM memory you want inside the computer. Pick Pick what size of screen you want. Pick what uh, all the other features, the speed, et cetera, that you want. We'll put it together according to what you asked for uh, because we've got this big stock uh, inventory of all of these things. And we'll have it to you in five days, which really meant it was going to be there in two. They could, they could make a computer and package it and send it in extremely fast. They took a big chunk of the market because they made it easier. I could get what I wanted without all that work. I, I can... Think of other examples. And I can add to uh, this strategy is like feel-good value, adding a feel-good value to your product. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, especially recently, you will notice that uh, some of the products on the market will say, if you purchase this product, we will donate certain mm-hmm. percentage to foundations, to sustainability, to different good causes. And a lot of people, especially in this, in today's market, are philanthropic. So they will be, wow, if I buy, if I purchase this product, they will give money for water research or for, you know, like different hot buttons Mm -hmm. they believe in. So that is one way also the perceived value, what you're buying, you're buying good cause also. I think of an example, I've, I've had bad feet most of my life, I was looking for a shoe that I could trust that would support my orthotics inside. And it came upon a company that's uh, in Port Washington, Wisconsin. Well-made shoe, a bit more expensive than everybody else. So perceived value is both in what I had to pay to get the original shoe, 
But I wear my heels down on the outside very fast. I was at a point where probably within four months I'd need new heels. I discovered that for this company, I could go to a local UPS store or mailbox store. I could take my shoes in the store, put in a piece of paper that told the company what I wanted them to do, put new heels on my shoes, and leave a check. Put that on the counter and I could walk out. The owners would say, thanks, we'll make sure it gets there. Within a day, that company, the the shoe manufacturer, would send me a picture. In my case, it would be the back of my shoes showing how badly worn the heels were. They were at a real slant. Two days later, there'd be another picture in my email, and it was my shoes looking as if they were brand new. They were polished. They had a new heel on them. And then they'd say, it'll be back to you in two days. So that meant the next morning, look outside my door a day early, and my shoes would be there. They took so much effort out of my effort, out of what I had to do to get my heels fixed. I could walk to one store, leave shoes, a check, and a note, and boom, it was all taken care of. And they came back to me ready to go, and very quickly. So that's one perceived value from my mind. They stood behind their product and really helped me get things done. One other example, if I might take a moment, um, and I'm thinking now more of the emotional side of things. Mm -hmm. There was a, a condominium development that was Uh, setting themselves up to attract the older adult who's downsizing, wants a new home, but it's going to be in a condominium complex. And the sales weren't going terribly well, and they got smart. They started to ask the consumers, why aren't you buying a condominium from us? Why aren't you interested? We we thought because you're downsizing, you'd like what we have. And they said, well, we we do, except that you don't have any room for a dining table. I raised five children, and we always sat around the dining table and I want to bring my dining table into the condominium because that represents my raising of five children and the wonderful family gatherings we had. So they went back and they reorganized the floor plan and they built a little dining room to one side, boosted sales. They could bring in their own own dining table. Then they discovered one other emotion, uh, th- those boomers retiring uh the hard part when you're downsizing is letting go. You've got pictures of your kids. You've got all these little bits and pieces you've kept that remind you of the past. And they're emotional connections. This company went down to the basement where you got a, a fenced-in piece of the basement where you could store your the items you couldn't put into the condominium upstairs. But in addition to that, most people were really slow in making up their minds what to let go of. So they gave them a room out in the middle of that basement of the condominium. And they said, you've got six months. Put the stuff you're not sure about in that room. You can lock it. And for six months, you can go down there every day and work your way through those emotional attachments that you have to the things of your life. And say, okay, I, I don't really need to keep that bike. I'm not going to ride it anymore. But but these pictures, oh, I want to keep these pictures because they remind me of special things. So they were playing to the emotions, rightfully so. They were helping those older adults decide what a little slower. What do we want to keep? What do we want to let go? It's, it helped them sell a lot of condominiums. It worked. And, you know, you brought an excellent point. When you talk about and when you think about your increasing the perceived value of your product, you go to your customers to make sure that you receive their feedback to build your product and features. Because a lot of business owners, they forget they will create something which is precious to them and they will start selling it to the customers and the customers may not want that. So it's very important to go back and listen to your customers over and over again. And based on that, you have to make sure that you answer the questions, how does your product make people feel? Mm-hmm. 
this is kind of a negative example of that, but one of the things you don't want to make your customers feel is frustration. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way for a a business to look at uh, how they're serving their customers. I'm a do-it-yourselfer. I get in trouble all the time trying to fix something I shouldn't. And there's a store, one of the big box stores, and they got smart. They were taking people who retired from the trades, a, a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, whatever it might be, and they hired them in retirement to help guys like me so I didn't screw it up. So I could go and say, I need to put a new toilet in. And I remember one example, they had, we had a cart. He put the toilet on it. He put the wax ring on it. He put all the things I was going to need. He could help me anticipate. And then he took five minutes to explain to me, here's what you do first, second, and third. I'm a doer yourself who needs that help. He was helping me avoid frustration. Now, he could probably sold a second toilet when I broke the first one because I was frustrated. But instead, I got it put in right. I go back to that store. Mm-hmm. They cost me a little bit more. But without that support from them, which really is enhancing my perceived value, I trust them exactly. now. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm willing it, to pay a little bit more, and they haven't raised their price for that that thing. They, they've they've just served me better. Absolutely. So, thank you so much, Michael, and to all the listeners out there. Please just use one strategy and try to implement it. And if you have any other feedback for us, please don't hesitate to go on thepackers.com under the community page the Green Bay Packers Mentor Protégé Program. We have our contact information there. Please email us or contact us. We would love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to us today. You've been listening to the Small Business Survival Conversation Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. In the meantime, hook up with us on our Facebook group at Small Business Survival Tools and Tips. Till next time, thank you for listening. 